Amen. Thank you, Sandy. There was a time I found that song. I used to listen to it over and over. The message, uh, so powerful. We're in Romans. No big surprise. Uh, Romans chapter 1. And looking at verses 14 through 17 this morning. I've said the real thrust of this book is the gospel. Which is the good news of Jesus Christ. And this morning, we're going to look at this good news as news to everybody. No one is beyond the scope of God's perfect love. And as you think about this book, picture a guy who was the biggest persecutor in the church, in the church among God's people. And he was headed to Damascus when God appeared and brought him to his knees and blinded him. And changed the whole course of his life. Where the one who wanted to stomp out the gospel. Became the one who spread the gospel. And we see uh, through Romans 1. That's his heart to preach the gospel. Eager to preach the gospel. That this good news go out. He's not ashamed of it. And, and so 25 years. 25 years after this ministry. He sat down and said. I need to write this book. To the faithful church at Rome. And so God has given us his truth. In honor of that truth, I'm going to ask you to stand. Romans 1, verses 14 through 17. I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For the gospel, for in the gospel a righteousness from God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Let's pray. Master, here we are once again. Thank you for Thomas's challenge that we might examine while we're here. Father, thank you. That you loved us so much that you sent your only begotten son. So we wouldn't perish but have life. Everlasting life. Father, I pray that truth, that message would ring out today clearly. And that we'd be reminded or that we would see that revealed. Maybe for the first time. Just speak to us, God, as we examine your truth, Lord. In the wonderful Name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we ask. Amen. Actually, I want to go backwards and look at verse 17 here. Notice what he says about this gospel. He says, for in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed. In other words, as Paul writes here, he says, righteousness means right standing. It is a fact that things were not right. But now they are right. And God is saying things were not right. But I made sure things are right. And that things can be right through Jesus Christ. And and, and that's the news and that's the power. And that's what's been revealed. And and, and that's what this book just just really hammers home. And, And it says, the last part of that verse, it says it is a righteousness That is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written. The righteous will live by faith. In other words it is not something you do. It is something he has done. 
it, 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 is, it is not a matter of um, impressing God. It is a matter of trusting God. It is a confident walk of what we don't fully grasp, but knowing that he fully holds us. And, and that's that righteousness. And there's three statements here that I want to look at. You know, your basic three-point sermon uh, that we often have. And let's look at these. Uh, the first one here is uh, found in the first verse there, verse 14 of our text. He says, I'm obligated. Who's he obligated to? Both to the Greeks and non-Greeks. Well, that's you know pretty much everybody. Those in that culture of the day, the Greek culture, or those who aren't. He says, both to the wise and both to the foolish. Broad extreme there of who this is to. The picture here of an obligation is that of a debt. You know, when you think of a debt, you usually think, well, you know, I borrowed this huge sum of money. Many of us know what that's like in the form of a mortgage. or Maybe we've bought an expensive car and we have payments. And we're obligated to make those payments because someone else actually really owns it. And we're working toward owning it by making these payments and paying off the debt. But when he says I'm obligated here, that is not the full meaning of what he is saying. This is a picture of one who has unlimited resources. And he comes and he says, man, I'm giving you a bunch of good things. We might, you know, we think of money, but, uh, you know, a bunch of good things. But they're not just for you. They're to be given away. To be passed out to other people. It is something that is so needed. And so the picture here of being obligated is, is he's, he's saying, first of all, I'm obligated to the one who gave it to me, which is God. God, I'm obligated to you. My, my extreme debt is to you because you're the one who saw me in my poverty, man. And, and though you became poor, you made me rich. As it says in 2 Corinthians 8, that, that, that's, that's God's power. That's, that's what he does. And, and, and so it is for his purposes, but it's also... For the purpose of other people. We're obligated. It's the picture of. Man he's give, God has given me. This wonderful message. But it's not just for me. It's for everybody. <laughs> there is nobody. Beyond the scope. Of his love. Notice it says the Greeks. Those are the people that were in that culture of that day. But then he said the non-Greeks. Man those are the people that aren't part of that culture. There are people that are. You know Bristolians. Tricidians, that doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter your background. doesn't matter where you grew up. doesn't matter how much money you have, how much money you don't have, the color of your skin. None of, of that. God's gift is for everybody. And, and he shares that the obligation is to share with all people. That's his love. Second Peter 3.18, I mean 3.9. 2 Peter 3.9, what a great verse. He says, the Lord's not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That's God's heart. And guys, he wants us to get a hold of his heart and to share it. The second statement here, as he goes on here, um, look at verse 15. He says, that is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are at Rome. He says he's eager. Why is he eager? He's eager to share this gospel because he knows what it's like to be trapped. He knows what it's like to need to be rescued. In Paul's case, 
He was trapped by this need to be perfect. He was what he called a Pharisee of the Pharisees, man. He, he was careful to keep all the laws and, and, and great detail and, and careful to be that perfect one who loves and serves God with a passion. But the truth of it was, in all of his quest to please God, he was missing God. And as he, as he shared here, he, 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 was, he was set free. He was rescued. And, and you know, what are we rescued from? As you, as you go through the scripture here, first of all, it says we're rescued from God's wrath. It says that in... Uh, Ephesians 2, that we are one time objects of wrath, but that God, because of his great love, man, he he came and he died on the cross and he gave us hope. We're freed from that sinful nature, that that battle, that that control. And and it says in uh, John chapter eight and and in verse 34, it says, now, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And then in verse 35, it says, now. Um, it says that a stranger, you know, a slave has no place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. And then that verse 36 we know so well. So if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Man, he frees us from this inability to do what our heart yearns to do, what we know is right. That's that, 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 that he, he provides that freedom as well. Um, he provides freedom from that lost condition. You know, as the old country preacher says, he was as lost as a ball in high weeds. But that, that feeling of God, you're just so far away. He frees us from that and, and he, he frees us from death itself, that there's no hope after death and the fear of death. Man, the gospel provides good news that he is a God who frees us. And it's just such a, a beautiful truth. That he provides to us. A love without limits. When he reaches our hearts. Uh, his love is revealed. Um, we went. This week. For us. Has been a theme of. Uh, people who are broken. Through alcohol and drug abuse. And how God loves them. Monday it started with uh, going to our dear friends uh, and, and you too, the coffees, Richard and Tina. Uh, his mom had died uh, a few days earlier and the funeral was in Kingsport. And we, we were able to go and it was a beautiful memorial service and they had a red candle in the front. And, you know, they started the service while one of the family members came and, and snuffed out the candle, which was a way of saying... You know, this walk as we know it here is no more. It's it's different now for her. But it was a red candle. And he talked about the fact, Richard spoke, he talked about the fact that, you know, the red candle was about that battle. And he needed to be covered in that battle because his mom battled the alcoholism. And, and I loved it because he was just so honest. He's, you know, it's like I loved my mom, but there was a time where she wasn't a good mom. She ended well, but there was a time. And he talked about the fact that she was covered by God's love. Isaiah 1, verse 18. I love it. It says, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. For though your sins were as scarlet, they were white as snow. Though they were red as crimson, they are now as wool. And, and so they took that red candle and they replaced it with a white candle. 
which of course symbolize that the covering of the blood of Jesus. That's gone now because she's with Jesus. She's clean, she's white, she's pure. That battle's over. But there was a beautiful time in that um, where they said the last couple of weeks she became just so acutely aware of Jesus' love because she battled her whole life. I mean, with this addiction, it was like, you know, I'm just having a battle. She had her bad times, her bad days. And I love it. Richard had said that they went to the hospital one day and he said she was just so excited. And they stopped, you know, and they looked at her and she said, it's true. It's really true. And they're like, what? What? She said, he loves us. He really loves us. That's the gospel. Guys, he really loves you. Now, that sounds like basic news. What better news is there? Uh, Psalm thirty-four twenty-two has been on my heart lately. Uh, one of my latest verses God's brought to my mind. It says, the Lord redeems his servants. The picture to redeem means he buys you back. The Lord redeems his servants. No one will be condemned who takes refuge in him. Man, I thought about that. No one will be condemned who takes refuge in Him. You say to yourself, I have done this and it has pushed God away from me. It has separated me from His love and, and He won't look upon me and He won't receive me and, and He won't care for me because I'm just like crimson, scarlet. But He says, I'll make you white as snow. As, as wool. And not only will He make you, but in God's eyes, the Gospel says He made you. In other words, no one will be condemned who takes refuge in Him. He's safe. God is a place to hide. That's the message of the Gospel. Um, as we think about shame, uh, a lot of times we think about it in regard to something we've done. And man, there's so much shame to that. It's so funny. I've got something. And I won't even go in detail what it is. And you'd probably say, well, you know, it's not that big a deal. But it's one of those weird things. Every once in a while, it'll just hit me. And I'll say, you're so stupid. Why did you do that? You know, this was 15 years ago. And it was just an incident that plays like a recorder in my mind. Um, I, had, I was kind of insensitive and mean to somebody. And uh, it'll just come out of nowhere. <laughs> you know, just hit me. Hey, look, we're messed up and, and, and we've got our mess. But he loves us. And that's what Paul was eager to share. He was eager. All right, last uh, phrase here. Um, he was not ashamed of the gospel in verse 16. Um, I want you, uh, as you think about that, a lot of times as we think about the shame, you know, it is something we've done. But there's another meaning of the shame. It is a picture of, I'm afraid people won't like me. Or I'm afraid people reject me. When, I, when I'm honest with them. I share with them. I'm afraid of that. And Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. He said, man, what else is there to live for 
That was Paul's heart. That was his his passion. And, and he is something to be ashamed of. I mean, think about what it was like when he was first blinded. And he had been this Pharisee of Pharisees. And he was this, you know, great leader among this group of people. And they had a passion to stomp out the church of Jesus Christ. But God came to him and it had to be, man, you know, all the people that love me and all the people that know me and all the people that I trust. And, and they're going to reject me. Yeah, he had some stuff to worry about. Or even when he went to preach the gospel, there were places he was kicked out or, or he might be stoned or, or imprisoned. And, you know, he had some tough times that came. But he, as he came to it, he said, what matters is that he loves me. And that he demonstrated that love and fullness while I was still a sinner, while I was still screwed up. He met me on that road, brought me to my knees, and he set me free. That's what he's talking about here. Um. On September 11th, 2001, Jeannie Bracca, of course, was devastated as the news came out for her husband worked on, Al worked on the 105th floor of the World Trade Center. She was really devastated a few days later when they found his body in the rubble. Her and her son Christopher wept and wondered, God. Then the news began to come out. The news began to come out that when Al realized that there was no way for them to get out of the building, he gathered the other people around and he started to talk to them about a hope in God. You see, for years, he had talked with his wife, Jeannie, and said, you know, I really get sick of this place. I kind of want to leave because there aren't any Christians around here and it's not a good atmosphere. But I really think God wants me here. And I really think he wants me to be a light in this darkness. I guess Al was right. As it came out, as there were phone calls and emails to families there were stories that came out. Some of them mentioned out by name. Others didn't. That he had gathered about 50 people around him. And just started talking to them. And praying with them. And telling them about Christ. And saying, hey, there's something beyond this here. And, and so the word that got out was there were a great number of them that turned their hearts over to Christ. In that moment that seemed like total death and loss. There was victory and gain. Why? Because he wasn't ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God to everyone who believes. For salvation. That was the power of the message uh, that came out. You see, uh, often when we think about the gospel, we say, you know, it's like one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. But if you want to be honest about it, it's more than that. That's true. But it's really like one person going into a crisis and looking for a way of escape. Using the World Trade Center example, let's say that you're on the 105th floor and you're you see smoke starting to come up, you know, uh, from into your area, and so you say, "Man, I got to get out of here." And you notice a door, and so you go to that door and you start going down the steps and say, "Yeah, I can get out." And then you think of the other people in your office. So you go back up and you say, guys, follow me. I found a way out, a safe way of escape. Let's go. 
That's the gospel. That's what he's not ashamed of. There's a way of escape. There's a way for this life to have meaning and purpose. And even beyond this life. To have life that's forever. With the God who ultimately and fully loves you. That's what it's about. That's why Paul had said in 1 Corinthians 9. He said, I've become all things to all men. That by some means I might save some. He says, for though I be free from all men. Yet I've made myself a servant unto all. That I might gain the more. He said, man, that's my passion. That's my heart is I want people to know that he loves them. He loved me. And, and that needs to be desperately celebrated and shared. And guys, I know as a, you know, we come and we gather and we share. You know, there's some people out there, you know, I speak now and they say, man, that's good news. And there's other people that says, oh, wait, I got to get out of here. Somebody, would you please elbow me so I can wake up and get out of here? And, you know, I put some to sleep, all that. I get all that. Sometimes we don't hear the news. Sometimes we're not aware of what this news is. And we just got to love people until, zing, God opens the light. Because sometimes they don't get it. And you just want to smack it into them. That doesn't work. God has to reveal to them, I need it. I need that message of hope that comes from the good news of Jesus Christ. That comes from the gospel. Now, as I close this thing, three words. Uh, trust. It is a matter of trust. <laughs> it is a matter of saying, okay, God, you're bigger than me. I need some help. And I'm going to trust you. That's why it says, the just shall live by faith. Verse 17 uh, it says in the Living Bible, that verse, it says, the man who finds life will find it by trusting God. That, that, that's what it's talking about. Second is expect. Once we trust, we have to expect God to be faithful to what he's promised and live in a sense of expectation that God can be trusted. And third is rest. comes to a point where we just have to rest. Take a nap in the Lord. Um, Philippians 2, last part of verse 12 and verse 13. It says, so work with fear and trembling to discover what it really means to be saved. God is working in you to make you willing and able to obey him. There is a sense where we work it out, but there's another sense where we just got to rest in that God's working. That he is working so that we are willing and able to obey him. There's a great story about Thomas Edison. And maybe this gives us a glimpse into why he was able to accomplish so much. Thomas Edison, he was 67 years old. And in the place that he worked, his factory that had many of his inventions and much of his work, there was a great fire. And I mean flames, these large flames were coming up. And so Thomas Edison's son saw this fire. And he was really worried about his dad. And as he was running to try to, you know, find his dad and see how he was doing, he also got to thinking about, you know, his psyche. He thought, man, dad's going to be devastated. His life's work is in here. And, and you know, is he going to have a breakdown because of this? Well, he, he comes into the building. He sees his dad and his dad screaming, quick, go get mom. She'll never again see a fire like this. This is the most amazing fire I have ever seen. What? 
So he was all excited. And, and so, you know, th- then they got together and they stood outside and they watched it burn. And he said, uh, Dad, aren't you, aren't you upset that, er- that you're losing all that work, everything in there? And he smiled and he said, Yes, son, but I'm also burning up a lifetime of mistakes. We'll start again tomorrow. And then as the story goes, this is my favorite part. He went to his room, went upstairs, laid down the bed, and went to sleep. (laughs) So much for worry. He's snoring. Because he rested. He had a confidence. That's what God wants to supply to us. We trust in him. We expect from him. And he says, just rest in me. That's what he gives for the gospel. What about you? Where are you today? I... I thought, uh, as we as Cindy sang that wonderful song, better than Hallelujah. Sometimes is God hearing our hurts. It's a melody. Well, what's your melody about this morning? Maybe you need to come to this altar and pray to the God who gives beautiful music in the midst of those hideous chords. Uh, maybe you need to come here and share your heart with the body. Maybe. You just need to make a decision where you are. God loves you. Don't live another second missing that. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you for a chance to look at your good news. That's for everybody. Thank you for Paul. He used to be a mess. But then he became a man. A man who loved you. Father, uh, do that in all of us. If there's one here today that suddenly, it, well, it makes sense. Uh, it's good news. It's about a God who will take me where I am and love me. I love that Romans 5 verse 8 that says, For God demonstrates his own love toward us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Still sinners. That's your love, Lord. So I pray for that one that says, okay, time to come. He knows me. (laughs) Might as well come. May that happen this morning. And for the rest of us, you know where we are, God. Have your way. Jesus' name we pray. Amen.